0: Crew, a serious situation we all go through it deals with your feelings so hear what i say it's like a day when nothing seems to go your way this, hello and welcome back really to chris like and reggie's cosmic treadmill episode number 87 where we go back to, to the, the past. past and read a comic book from the yesteryear of publishing you can find us every sunday on chrisandreggie.podbean.com or pick us up from itunes stitcher Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and when you heed the clarion call to team up with other like-minded folks for justice. Justice. Mm, or something else, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Mark and <laughs> boots, whatever. <laughs> what are we reading today,
1: Chris? <laughs> we are reading Young Heroes in Love, number one. Covered of June, 1997. The story title is Your Lips, Your Eyes, Your Nuclear Breath Vision. Written and co-created by Dan Raspler Penciled and co-created by Dev Madden Inked by Keith Champagne, lettered by Bill Oakley Colored by Scott ba- Bowman Maybe? Uh, Bowman? Bowman? Yeah. One of them <laughs> uh, Associate edited by Ruben Diaz And edited by Frank Piteris Came with a cover price of 175 USD
0: Yeah, cheap and 250 in Canada mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, this is an Interesting comic that Uh Existed at an interesting time that we're going to get into explaining kind of the conditions that allowed this comic book to exist. But first, of course, the usual creator bios. And let me tell you, Chris, that get, get ready, get ready. They <laughs> are pretty much blockbusters this time. Dan Raspler was born uh, probably during the 20th century, pretty sure. So, yeah. uh, he served as an editor for some titles, including JLA, Batman, Action Comics, Detective Comics, and many more. His first job was on Green Lantern's special number one December 1988 cover by Priest and Todd Smith edited by Raspler under Denny O'Neill. Dan co-designed the game Space Cadets Away Missions for Stronghold Games released in 2015. He's the cousin of writer Chris Claremont's current wife, Beth Fleischer. And in 1997 he won the Best Editor Eisner Award for Kingdom Come, Hitman, The Spectre, and Sergio Aragones Destroys DC, which was a banner year, I would think, for him.
1: Are you done? Is that it?
0: And that's all we got for oh, Mr. Wow. Daniel yeah. the Wrestler. <laughs> if,
1: if somehow you listen, please write to us and yes, tell us more please. about yourself. <laughs> now, on the other side of the table, we got Dev Madden, uh, born July 23rd, probably at some point during <laughs> the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, he broke into comics by inking. His first job was on Warlocks number eleven. This was March nineteen ninety cover date for Malibu slash Air Cell Comics. And Dev has penciled for the following series and/or projects: The Batman Adventures in nineteen ninety two, Judge Dredd nineteen ninety four, The Batman and Robin Adventures nineteen ninety five,
0: Adventures of the Mask nineteen ninety six, This Comic Young Heroes in Love nineteen ninety seven, Dreaming City Tales nineteen ninety seven. Plastic Man Special in 1999, The Adventures of Sly Cooper in 2004.
1: The DC Comics Encyclopedia, 2004. Hack slash Trailers, 2006. Awesome, colon, The Indie Spinner Rack Anthology, 2007. And Street Fighter Tribute, 2008.
0: He did a kind of a reboot of Eerie in 2012. Batman Adventures again in 2014. Shadow One Shot 2014 colon Agents of the Shadow 2014 was the year it came out And Zombie Camp in 2016
1: Now outside of comics he would move on to the world of video games He helped to launch Sucker Punch Productions Also had a hand in writing and producing such titles as the Sly Cooper series for the PlayStation 2 He later helped found Loose Cannon Studios which uh, shipped the game Tornado Outbreak in 2009 for the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 and Nintendo Wii. I've never heard of it. No. Um, He'd become the studio art director for PopCap Games. That's the company behind the Plants vs. Zombies series of games. Which I have heard of. Yes, that I have heard of. (laughs) Uh, Now currently Madden is back to freelancing via his own company, Dev Madden Illustration uh, for comics, trading cards and other things. And we'll link to his company in our uh, show notes.
0: Absolutely. Uh that's all we got though for creators folks. That's so, it. Uh if you have other information please do let us know. This was a certainly tough to pick apart, but we're going to talk a little bit right now about the conditions that created young heroes and love. This would have been the late 90s. Now, without going too deep into the direct market, which we promise will be a weird comics <laughs> history series sometime in this lifetime. Uh, This structure allowed Marvel and DC to be pretty experimental with their offerings Second half of the 1990s were quite different than the first half for the industry Uh, The bursting of that speculator bubble and distribution changes were a large part of that So let's just talk about this distribution game that became a one-horse race right then Uh, On December 28, 1994, Marvel Comics would purchase, or in a sense repurchase Heroes World and name it and Marvel's exclusive distributor. Uh, Heroes World was an outfit in New Jersey that handled, I think, toys to that point, or was, was it cards? Do you know? Or uh... they
1: handled uh, they handled comics for a little while in the 70s. I want to say, and yeah. uh, also other other things like other distributy type things
0: in that in that realm. But they were just a yeah. like, hey, piece of a larger puzzle is the thing here. Certainly, certainly. This means that the largest comics company at the time would be pulling the entire line away from Diamond and Capital City, uh, resulting uh, in a drop in one-third of the distributor's market share. Overnight, Mm -hmm. like boom. Uh, This went into effect with the books that shipped July 1995. This would be Spider-Man in the midst of a a clone saga. Avengers titles were in The uh, Crossing the X-Men had just returned to Prime Marvel following the Age of Apocalypse, and of particular note, this also meant that Marvel was no longer part of the Diamond Top 100, which without any context, if you look at those lists now, it makes it look as like so Image is the top <laughs> comic publisher in the world. Yes, yeah, so they're
1: very, very straight. If you have any uh, Wizard magazines from the from late nineteen ninety five,
0: suddenly it's like whoa. Yeah,
1: take a look <laughs> at the top one hundred. It's very weird. Uh, now this would lead to Steve Geppi, who was the owner of Diamond, to enter into go- into negotiations to shore up the remaining big time comics publishers, which then bled into the capital city folks. That's uh, John Davis and Milton Greep doing the same. The industry, as we mentioned, was not in a healthy place at this point. Maybe, and that's a huge maybe, three or four years prior, and without the bottom eventually falling out, this might have been something.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, there's kind of collaboration, (laughs) right? It would have been like certainly instead of instead of out of desperation, you know, it could have been really interesting. But anyway,
1: absolutely, this was just a a way to stop the bleeding instead of a way to grow. Uh, Now, ultimately, Heroes World did not have the sufficient infrastructure to handle Marvel's weekly shipments. The entire endeavor was snakebit from the start. Uh, to start, uh, shipping mistakes were commonplace, and this was at a time where people weren't exactly visiting the shops as much as they were a few years earlier. Even more tragically, billing errors were also commonplace, at a time when these shops were struggling to even keep the lights on as it was. In the very first week that Heroes World <laughs> took over, they received thousands of complaint calls to report problems causing the distributor to have to set up additional phone lines just to cover the volume, which, get this, caused their phone system to literally overheat. Amazing.
0: They like, <laughs> melted it down.
1: They melted, <clears throat> and it put them out of commission for three days. Wow. And we want to remind you, this is the first week.
0: And let me tell you, in an, an operation that requires weekly shipping being down for three days is a big problem. Yes. Uh, so yeah, this 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 was a disaster, and uh, yeah, that that maybe we can delve even more into it uh, when we do the direct market. Uh, episode. We will, yes. <laughs> but uh, throughout 1995 and 1996, Heroes World continued to make a mess of things, losing business opportunities for Marvel and finding them faced with lawsuits. Wizards of the Coast c- cuts Heroes World off from distributing their Magic: The Gathering collectible card game. That was August 1995. They went out of business in 1997, and that was a big game, obviously, at the time. Uh, forcing, they went out of business in 1997, forcing Marvel back into the waiting arms of Diamond, who by now was the last distributor standing. Might sound familiar. Marvel would file for bankruptcy, making the already shaky industry even less stable. And desperate times sometimes call for creative measures. And so, this is something uh, Chris likes to call... Late nineties DC, throw it against the wall and see if it sticks, or DCYOU comes a decade and a half early, which I think <laughs> if those of you remember the DCYOU promotion thingy of uh, was that four years pre-rebirth? ago? Pre-rebirth, yeah. Yeah, pre-rebirth. That was, that was where the status where they changed everything. They had Superman was Z powered. Uh, Green Lantern. Batman was the robot (laughs) Batman was a a bat bunny And Green Lantern, (laughs) Hal Jordan was on the run This is the same kind of thing It was like, let's try anything And so, to that end We got characters like Aztec, the ultimate man (laughs) He was in 10 issues August 1996 to May 1997 Cover dates by Grant Morrison Mark Millar and N. Stephen Harris A series set in Vanity series Where Aztec, the avatar of the Aztec god Quetzalcoatl Fights crime and he would go on To join the newly launched JLA which was Even kind of another weird term. Yes Uh,
1: we have Chase which is a a well Remembered title from from a lot of us Here that ran 10 issues including A number 1 million that ran from February 1998 through November 1998 uh, by Dan Curtis Johnson and J.H. Williams III The series starred D.E.O. Agent Cameron Chase It was a very, very fun series Uh, Probably the best of this bunch Um, Now during this run Which is issue number 6, July 1998 Cameron learns that her father Was the superhero Acrobat And he was part of The Justice Experience, man (laughs) Now the Justice Experience Is the groovy superhero team That came in between the Justice Society And the Justice League and since times were peaceful, they were basically just a bunch of grown-ups playing dress-up. It's a very interesting story. Um, as such, Acrobat was murdered by a very real supervillain called Dr. Trap. Ooh, well, that wasn't uh,
0: so nice. He, but He uh, wasn't prepared. I, and the 60s ended that day. Anyway, Chronos. Uh, <laughs> this had 12 issues, including a number one million issue ran from March 1998 to February 1999, cover dates by John Francis Moore and Paul Guinan. series started the second Kronos, uh, Walker Gabriel, who came across David Clinton. This was the first Chronos, the villain Kronos, mm-hmm. uh, came across his research. He would eventually be revealed as the son of a temporal theorist who created the city beyond time, Chronopolis. Throughout the series, Walker would travel through time doing good things and bad things and running into the linear men and allowing a John Francis Moore to vent his dislike for Ronald Reagan a decade after he left office. So, sure. talk about kicking a guy who's you know, not even in the yeah. place anymore. But anyway, uh, plus he wasn't quite together at the time. He so, wasn't in the best of places it was of not. That yeah. was not, anyway. Uh, somewhat famously, <laughs> at least to comics history buffs, JFM pulled the plug five issues in. Per the artist and co-creator Paul Guidon, he said, Yes, John Francis Moore has pulled the plug on Kronos, and in fact, used that very phrase himself. Among the reasons he gave me were a deadline schedule that didn't allow him to spend time he needed on his scripts, editorial circumstances that contributed to the book going in a direction he didn't care for, aesthetic disappointments, and low sales. He goes into further, a pretty contentious detail, but maybe that's a chat for another day, When we maybe when we read an issue of Kronos.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I gave I gave Chronos number one a few tries this week, and I couldn't get through
0: yeah, it. Yeah, trouble, um, huh?
1: <laughs> but uh, you know, to tell your artist that you have aesthetic,
0: aesthetic disappointments—that's not—that's not a good—that's that's not, not a cool. way to ingratiate yourself with the guy. No.
1: <laughs> Another title that they threw out was Creeper, ran twelve issues, including a one million. This was December nineteen ninety-seven through November nineteen ninety-eight. By Len Kaminsky and Sean Martinsborough Now this volume Focused on the effect the Creeper had on Jack Ryder's sanity And even featured him spending time in a mental Institution, it was a pretty interesting But another one that was kind of tough To get through
0: I seem to remember this, and maybe I'm off base Because I do remember this being on the On the, uh, on the uh, what do we call it, the racks uh, this the, is the shelves The shelves would work too I'm sorry, I don't know I can think of it It was for <laughs> sale is the point uh, Yes it was sort of like they were doing a Moon Knight with the Creeper. Kind of sort. That's kind of yeah. how I looked at it. At least the way Moon Knight. Well, I don't know what's going on with Moon Knight now, but the way <laughs> he, was, he was sort of schizophrenic, and it was like this was there anyway. That that was sort of how I read it at a glance, though. I can't really claim to know the series at all.
1: No, that that's definitely a good at a glance description of it because it, it it is it is a muddled mind, and yeah. a lot of it is internal, so it's pretty neat. Um, we have major bummer. This ran 15 issues from August 1997 through October 1998 by John Arcudi and Doug Monkey. This was originally pitched to DC in 1992 as Captain Slackass. Really?
0: Yeah. I wonder why they didn't go for it.
1: Yeah, right. You have the death of Superman up there and Captain, Captain Slackass. Captain
0: Slackass. I'll take over. Be anyway.
1: Now, the story features a slacker named Lou Martin who'd been granted amazing powers. The only problem is he's, you know, a slacker and has no interest in doing the right thing or much of anything. Uh, it's unclear if this series was meant to take place in the DC universe. I know a lot of the original contention for Captain Slackass is that DC wanted it as part of the the actual DCU, uh-huh. uh, which is one of the reasons why I guess it didn't work out. Um, though for this volume, one issue is titled Crisis on Infinite Jerks. Maybe, so maybe. who knows? Uh, somewhere in the volume it features a trip to a dimension Full of Nazi dinosaurs Notably Tyrannosaurus reich This
0: sounds, this sounds pretty good actually Chris I gotta tell you <laughs> It's odd yeah It sounds like something I want to take a look at uh, Less so would be the book Zero X-E-R-O This had 12 issues May 1997 to April 1998 Cover dates this was by Priest and Chris Cross I- Issue number 12 was penciled by Eric Battle. Coltrane Trainwalker is an African-American professional basketball player by day, a blonde, blue-eyed, white-skinned espionage agent known as Closer by Night. And the arrangement here is that Priest owns these stories and partially owns the art, but DC Comics owns the characters. Yeah. So it's like DC, I guess, could use the characters, but without any...
1: Without any of the story. that's happened
0: or characterization <laughs> of them, or priests could tell the story but couldn't actually use... Uh, anyway, so we won't, we won't be weird. seeing this one anytime soon. If we do, I assume... Priest has got to be involved in it. somehow there's going to be some. There's going to be a thick
1: stack of contracts. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, we got Resurrection Man that actually ran a little while here. Twenty eight issues, yep. including a one million. This was May nineteen ninety seven through August of nineteen ninety nine. It's by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. A fellow named Mitch Shelley is experimented on with nanotechnology, which seemingly grants him immortality, kinda. Because he can die, but he's almost immediately resurrected, which uh, is fitting for his name being Resurrection Man. Yep. Uh, Resurrection Man, the concept, the title, the fellow would be resurrected once again As part of the initial wave of the New 52 initiative in 2011 And that volume would only last 13 issues, including a number zero And
0: some would wonder how it even did that long That's right, yeah Uh, Scare Tactics, this had 12 issues, the December 1996 cover to March 1998 Uh, By Len Kaminsky and Anthony Williams This is a group of teenage monsters Who form a rock band and have supernatural Adventures This spun out of the 1994 Fate series Which we will Not really broach, I guess, sort of right here Uh, (laughs) Len Kaminsky actually wrote and paid For a recording of the Scare Tactics Hit single Inhumanifesto It was set to be Distributed as a bootleg cassette tape Before DC's marketing department Put the kibosh on it Because they were like, that's going to cost how much? Um, but it is available on YouTube, and I'll it put, is. We'll, we'll put link that to link it. in there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you can rock out to Inhuman Manifesto.
0: Nice. It's worth it, I'm sure. Now we also have the Book
1: of Fate, twelve issues, February 1997 through January 1998, by Keith Giffen and Ron Wagner. This is a continuation of the 1994 Fate series, which gave us the new hip, cool happening, and with it, Doctor Fate, Jared Stevens, and it gave him an all new origin. And it's not great. No, um,
0: <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> this is the uh, this is like the the punk rock fate with like the Ankh tattoo on his eyes. Oh yes, so you, you'll know him if you see him. Uh, now Jared Stevens would eventually be given a mercy killing in the pages of JSA number one, cover dated August
0: 1999. Uh, this is one that I dipped in on in the late 90s because I I do like Doctor Fate and I was like sure. And and at the time this had a Vertigo-esque or a Starman-esque. You know there were so many other weird things happening. I thought, true. I thought this might have legs. Uh, no, nope.
1: because I know DC had like something they called the Weirdo Verse. It wasn't a an actual. Uh, it wasn't an official or a uh, an official title or anything. Yeah. but like they had a uh, they had a convergence the storyline called convergence that ran through four books and one of them was scare tactics and the book of fate might have been another one of them because they said uh, you know check out the other quote weirdo-verse books so maybe that's where it fit
0: I'm not sure about yeah I don't know uh, <laughs> but across the street at Marvel in the wake the wake of the onslaught event sent four there should be heavy hitters into a pocket universe. And into the offices of Image Comics. In order, if you recall, us talking about that many, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So, in order to fill the void, Marvel launched a bunch of new, sort of off the wall titles, and they include Alpha Flight Volume 2. This had 21 issues, including a number one, a number negative, negative one, sorry, wow. uh, July 1997 to March 1999 cover date. This volume added new members to the team and was heavily focused on the conspiracies of Department H. And the mystery of a age guardian being back among the living, and it was a very good run, it
1: says was. Chris. Yes, it, it was cut too shoo- too soon. Uh, another one, Kazar, 21 issues, also including a negative one, May 1997 through December 1998. You know, I have this, and I've read it. I just don't remember much about it. I do know that I liked it. Okay. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't feel it was necessary. Since we are talking about a DC book this week, I didn't feel it was necessary to dig them out of the long box.
0: Right. Um, but you enjoyed the book. What's with the negative one issues? What was the event there?
1: It was a month where they did every every book had a negative one issue, and it was a. It would be like a story framed by like a Stan Lee. Doing an introduction, it was basically telling The story, like a retelling of an origin Kind of, or Silver telling Age, like a lost story a Silver
0: Age style or something Yes, like, all right. yes,
1: and uh, it would be Like a either a missing story, or A retelling of an origin, or for the Books like this that were being launched out of them Basically just setting the status quo For right. what was going to go forward, without wasting The number one I see um, we also have Maverick that ran 12 issues from September 1997 through August of 1998. This features Wolverine's pal and former Team X running buddy, the legacy virus afflicted Maverick. I tell you what, I was a Marvel zombie and a, <laughs> a, a spe, especially a big X-Men guy. Yeah. And this one was tough. Yeah. This one was so boring.
0: It, it, I mean, it's, it sounds like the guy, the, uh, you know, the B grade Wolverine, you know, the guy that Wolverine oh, was... didn't want to hang out with anymore.
1: <laughs> it was so boring. Hey, wait,
0: for me. Pretty good. Logan, but... uh, wait, I could be there too. <laughs> no, you do your own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I do, I, I'm the best at what I do, and I do it alone. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, Quicksilver, we know that guy from Marvel. 13 issues, November 1997 to November 1998, cover date. Another insanely boring series heavily focused on the Wundagore Mountain and the High Evolutionary.
1: Oh, it's you know, so bad.
0: Whatever I see, the high evolutionary or. Uh, oh, exactly. What is the. the uh, all those mystical concepts. The.
1: Oh, yeah. Love the and Celestials. Hate. The
0: Celestials. Oh, it's like, oh, God, where are we going with this? <laughs> Uh, Slingers. This had 13 issues, including a wizard special, number zero. September 1998 to November 1999 cover dates. This was by Joseph Harris and Chris Cross. Starred the four alter egos Spider Man had used during the Identity Crisis storyline. That was. A different Identity Crisis, the Marvel's Identity Crisis (laughs) storyline, not Identity Crisis, the uh, event for DC. Famously launched with four different character-specific interior stories. Oh, for fun.
1: Yes, the each each of the characters had their own kind of focus story It's kind of like that Team Titans launch yeah. That uh, Wolfman did with Total Chaos Where each one had like, oh, here's the Terra backup You have to buy six books if you want all the backups right. um, It's lame uh, Now a couple of these uh, weird throw them at the wall titles that Marvel pitched Actually proved to have legs Among them was Deadpool Although it was sales-starved for much of its run Deadpool actually managed to hold on for 69 huh, issues. Hey,
0: the coolest in number uh, of issues I, too. That's nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you can hear our chat on the early days of Deadpool's ongoing title. You can check out Cosmic Treadmill episode 49 in the archives.
0: And I think I think Deadpool. People still talk about him now and again today, right? Uh, he
1: might he might have a he might have some sort of a presence. Some sort comments.
0: of a presence Stand out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if you poke around, I'm sure you you'll find it. You might have to dig. You <laughs> might have to. Take a little, exactly <laughs> uh, And then the Thunderbolts This is the team of villains pretending to be heroes And this had a healthy run And they were even briefly led by the Avenger Hawkeye first <laughs> volume would be sacrificed to Jemis And Quesada in their early days Of revisioning the Marvel Universe And they turned it into an underground fight club riff That had absolutely nothing to do with anything That came before, but it was different And that's all that mattered so bad. Yeah. So bad. and they still they still ran a Thunderbolt within the last I don't know five years, didn't they? Didn't they have
1: am I'm I'm sure there's been six or seven Thunderbolt number ones in the past I'm couple sure. of years.
0: It's yeah. probably on volume 15, like a lot of Marvel stuff. <laughs>
1: right. But uh, <laughs> and... we we mention all of these books because I think a lot of folks remember this odd pre-turn of the century comics landscape as is being somewhat its own thing. Yeah. Like it's before. Like I look at like when it turned to the year two thousand. That's when you started seeing like the Bendis's come in and Kevin Smith would come in. So it Absolutely. became very very writer heavy. Yeah. Uh, where before the crash, it was very artist heavy, and then you have this interim here where like there were a lot of weird and and, and interesting concepts thrown out, but uh, it was the wrong time for a lot of them. Like Chase made it. What was it? Nine issues. Uh, if that okay. was launched three years later. I think it could have had 40 50 issues, uh, you know, if you, you look at like Bendis's Alias. It's right, tonally similar, of thing, yeah. Uh, where that actually had the legs to it. And uh, but just publishing that in 1997, the uh, the the fandom was kind of in a flux. It was in a maturing process where we weren't the, the speculators weren't totally gone and the the, the yeah. ones who left the game hadn't yet come back. So uh, there's a
0: lot happening, you know. At, at this yes. time, you know, we talked about the. I think the, you know, the, the biggest thing was definitely the, the distribution changes and the uh, virtual collapse of the industry had a lot sure. to do with it. Was probably, <laughs> but you're right. It, it's it's the hangover from like the image guys, the uh, the sure. artist centered, uh, you know, uh, comic book making and just the sort of willingness. Like we don't, we don't know what we didn't really talk about it, but even kind of like what went on with Superman at this time. Mm-hmm. Was sort of like we don't know what to do with it. We don't know where we're going. Uh, you know, he's yeah. red, he's blue. Now he's electric. You know what I mean? Let's, let's sure. try anything. Just so, do whatever we can. Uh, yeah. You, yeah, I think you had a high a turnover of personnel. Had a lot to do with it. So it's uh oh yeah definitely interesting and definitely some of the books that came out were wacky, including the very one we're going to talk about today.
1: Indeed, that's Young Heroes in Love number one. If you look at the cover, the blurb promises sex, lies, and superheroics. The cover image is. Well, we we can't be certain, but it's very likely a pair of our young heroes getting it on. In the the foreground, clothes are strewn throughout the room, and champagne is flowing from an upturned bottle. Inside, we meet three members of our new cast. They include Off-Ramp. He's kind of a loner type of character who wears a rumpled trench coat. Is often seen smoking off to the side
0: Yeah, Thunderhead This is the team's big guy Wears a standard superhero costume And a Gambit-like head sock thing That was all the rage among superheroes (laughs) During the 90s Uh, Sort of like a wrestler's, you know, whatever Yeah, the ear protector thing Uh, His color scheme is not unlike Electric Blue Superman In fact, you could mistake him at a glance for a blonde electrical yeah. superman
1: <laughs> We also have Monster Girl Well all we really see here is her butt But uh, we'll learn more <laughs> about her We'll learn about more about her and the rest of their powers As we continue uh, Now Thunderhead is admiring his new superhero Duds Off-ramp feigns interest and Monster Girl is mostly Ignoring them
0: Yeah she says What are you two talking about Thunderhead goes girls Figures And Off-ramp says Girls' figures.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The conversation shifts to discussing their new team leader. He's a real pro, according to Off-Ramp.
0: Wait till you meet him. He's one of a kind.
1: Thunderhead goes, wait a second. You saying you jumped us
0: here early? Wow. You've never been to anything early, George. Are you friggin' kidding me? You say my real name one more time, I'm gonna kill you. Sorry. So quit using my real name. This is the big time.
1: So I guess we just learned that Off-Ramp's real name is George. Correct. And that he might also be a tad on the high-strung side. Yeah. Now, uh, Monster Girl takes this opportunity to give old Thunderhead a pop quiz on just what a secret identity is and, and why they might be important. Because, uh, according to Off-Ramp, their new leader, Hard Drive, is, quote, extremely intense and won't let that sort of crap go down.
0: Mm, no way. And we shift scenes and meet another member of our team. This is Junior. He's six inches tall, a little fella with a big secret. We don't know it yet and in, in this issue, but uh, he has no powers. It was He was just shrunken in an accident, and now he's tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's getting a ride in for a superhero meeting by his dear old mother, <laughs> It would be adorable if it wasn't so sad He hops out of the car And we meet the new Young Heroes team leader Hard Drive, who is telling a young redhead That she cannot join his team
1: Yeah, Hard Drive goes Frankly, I don't think you're committed to this Go back to your magazines and word processor And read about us, Bonfire
0: Maybe when I form another team Bonfire says I just need more time You're out of time I'll be in touch This causes Bonfire to let loose with her pyrokinetic powers. Flames shoot out of her hands with a roar. And let me tell you, when fire makes noise... Bad times. It's intense. Uh, When the smoke (laughs) clears, hard drive has vanished. Uh, Well, he's actually just hovering above the scene.
1: Up here. Great job, Bonfire. I knew you could do it.
0: Gotta imagine there are safer ways to recruit an inexperienced pyrokinetic, right? Uh, There aren't a public street. This could be Really dangerous here, you know Really dangerous, <laughs> deadly even But uh, yeah, that old, that old superhero know-how did it <laughs> So uh, Junior scurries up right to the scene
1: Yes, and hard, fired, uh, hard Drive does some introductions He goes, Bonfire,
0: Junior Junior, Bonfire Bonfire says, Pleased to meet you, Junior And Junior says, Hiya, so you control fire? And temperature to a degree I'm very sensitive what a coincidence! I'm very insensitive. That's not a not a coincidence. How is that a coincidence? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think so. You're also a little smartass. The littlest oof. <laughs> 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 then the trio flies off to meet with the rest of their team. Atop the building that we opened uh, the comic on, the six of them do the meet and greet thing and check out each other's hot bodies.
1: Yes, Thunderhead whispers after noticing bonfire.
0: Whoa. Totally gorgeous. And Monster Girl whispers after noticing Hard Drive. I can see why Off-Ramp was nervous about him. I'm not talking about him.
1: Then Off-Ramp makes with the introductions. Thunderhead as the resident big guy has super strength. Duh uh, Monster Girl, as the name might imply Can transform into a horrible monster Which, cause she kind of looks like a hairless
0: elf though. Sort of, I mean much <laughs> scarier Like she has <laughs> teeth, but yeah It's like a, a hairless elf met like a T-Rex head Or something You I know,
1: like a My Pet Monster version of elf
0: Yeah, that's like that, yeah <laughs> uh,
1: We find out uh, with, with Off-Ramp's powers We'll find out soon enough uh, we'll, we'll keep that under our hats for a minute Yeah. Um, now Hard Drive returns the favor And he introduces his two partners Bonfire is a pyrokinetic,
0: duh Yeah, and she says And this is Junior Who can cause earthquakes Thunderhead goes Earthquakes? Really? Just emotional ones
1: Hard drive pops in No, no, they're just kidding Junior's our team's espionage specialist Specialist, huh? Sounds better than sneak. Then Thunderhead nudges closer to Bonfire And goes, man Everyone's a comedian I didn't think it was going to be this tough.
0: <laughs> Just wait until this team-building endeavor breaks out into a round of two truths, one lie, then it's going to get <laughs> it's gonna get real.
1: It's like Jeopardy then, yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> now, it looks as though Thunderhead and Bonfire hit it off right off the map.
0: Yeah, their flirting is cut short by Hard Drive, however, who announces that it's time to track down their seventh and final, for now, member.
1: Yeah, Hard Drive looks to Off-Ramp and goes, Off-Ramp, are you ready?
0: Uh, no. Not yet. I'll need a few minutes To navigate. He's pretty far north
1: Now, Navigating more or less Consists of him standing there smoking a cigarette <laughs> uh, During the wait Bonfire heads over to Monster Girl For some girl talk After a brief misunderstanding over powers Because uh, Bonfire had the nerve To suggest that Monster Girl is a
0: Shapeshifter. Oh no That's no, a bad no, term. no she didn't yeah. uh, Monster Girl says So what do you know about Hard Drive? Bonfire says Not much. I only know him as Hard Drive, and I haven't known him long. He's a really powerful telekinetic, that's for sure. But tell me, what do you know about Thunderhead? What don't I know? From here, we get a little bit of Thunderhead's secret origin. Being part of a superhero team was never his dream. Thunderhead is a musician, or he was. He used to play guitar in a band. He came down with a wicked case of super strength. Check out the size of his hands.
1: I always thought girls looked at the size of a guy's feet
0: or the nose. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I hear a lot. Of, I hear a lot of things. Yeah, they just started growing fingers too, and he lost it, lost his control, so he can't play anymore. And Chris, couldn't he have a giant guitar? Wouldn't that remedy? Yeah, this? you could have something specialty made, right? I you would know, think so. Special but ordered. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: By now, Off Ramp has successfully crafted their route. And we are introduced to his wheels and his best friend, Roadshow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Once they all load inside, Off-Ramp announces their destination as Chicotimi, Canada?
0: Is that Chikotimi? Sure. Chikotimi? I don't know where that is. Chikotimi,
1: Canada, we'll say. And uh, and he claims that that's about a dozen miles outside the Arctic Circle. But if he's talking about Chikotimi, Saguenay, Canada, it's more like 1,255 miles out of the Arctic Circle, so it might be a longer and more windy ride than they were planning
0: for. Yeah, and a little more chilly than he might be (laughs) wanting. But but it would be, if not for off-ramps powers.
1: Yes, Thunderhead lets us know, Off-Ramp's the king of the shortcut. Really, he does it with time travel.
0: Junior says, Time travel? Get out of here! No way! off says, What? Don't listen to him. Trust me, it's not time travel. And so a portal opens. Brace yourself, folks. It's gonna be pretty cold through here. With a flash,
1: the team arrives in their snow-covered destination.
0: So now we're here, now what?
1: Our newest member, Frostbite, steps in and goes Now you say hello to me Welcome, I'm Frostbite
0: Now, Frostbite is like this hard-bodied, blue-skinned Namor look-alike With a ponytail and pierced nipples I mean, really looks yeah. like certain iterations of Namor Almost <laughs> too close, uh, the coloring yes. would really <laughs> tells the story uh, We know this because uh, outside of a little Speedo-type thing He's walking around nearly naked But, hey, he's wearing gloves and cute little elf boots, so that's, uh, something.
1: Oh, thank God for that. Yeah. Frostbite goes, attractive group. But I imagine you must be cold, yeah?
0: Not as cold as you, Tarzan! Me? Cold? No, I, I don't, don't. And just then he notices Bonfire.
1: I don't, I don't get, I, I, I...
0: Their eyes meet, but they break eye contact immediately. There's definitely a spark between them.
1: On the ride home, we learn how off-ramp and hard drive
0: met. Last month, I was racing road show up at Gloucester, and I was way out ahead, a lap ahead, except for one other driver. He
1: explains that during the race, one of the drivers loses control, spins out, and explodes. Instinctively, off-ramp opened a portal to avoid collision. That other excelling driver was, of course, Hard Drive, and together they saved all of their fellow racers from the
0: flames. Now, the team arrives at their new digs. At first blush, it's very much a real worldish type loft right away. Yeah. Uh, Hard Drive explains that all the amenities uh, a superhero might need are on campus.
1: Thunderhead goes, Dude, who's paying for all of this? I mean, do you want, like, a membership fee or something? Because I can't really... Hard drive cuts him off. No, no. I'll be handling all expenses. If there's anything left out, please let me
0: know. Wow, this hard drive's almost too good to be true, ain't
1: he? He's a hell of a guy. Ain't yeah. he? Mm, anyway. <laughs> Monster Girl and Bonfire pair off, and uh, the latter's
0: goo eyes at
1: Frostbite did not go unnoticed.
0: Quick! I'm dying to know. What happened out there between you and Frostbite? I saw him go totally blank. Listen, hot and cold... Could get very steamy. And Bonfire says, you're telling me. I'm totally freaked. It's like we could, I don't know, feel each other.
1: Hmm, off to the side, Junior and Thunderhead talk chicks with Junior giving T-Head his blessing to per- pursue Bonfire. Yeah. Uh, as if he needed
0: it. I guess it's the <laughs> thought that counts, yeah. It's sure, big, sure. Whatever you say, Junior, Yep.
1: <laughs> now, speaking of Bonfire, as she explores the facility, she is cornered, like literally cornered, yeah. by Frostbite.
0: Pretty impressive headquarters, huh?
1: And Frostbite goes, yeah. Now, tell me what you're really thinking. I'm sorry. Come on, you feel it too. It's our powers. They're feeding off of each other.
0: I don't... I don't...
1: Then, Hard Drive pops his head in and requests a moment of Bonfire's time.
0: And the other shoe finally drops. Yes,
1: Hard Drive goes, I'm not very good at this kind of thing, so bear with me. Yes? I think Thunderhead is interested in you. And what business is this of yours? I just think he might make a good... what'll we call it? partner for you? What the hell are you talking about? Frostbite is certainly physically compatible, but for the good of the team, wouldn't you agree that
0: Thunderhead is far more appropriate? Hold it. Are you trying to tell me who I should be attracted to? Who the hell do you think you are? And then Hard Drive's eyes begin to glow.
1: For the good of the team, wouldn't you agree?
0: I said, who the... And now Hard Drive's eyes are in flu- full glow.
1: Wouldn't you agree?
0: Ooh, ooh.
1: Time passes and we head back to the living room area.
0: Hard Drive gives a pep talk to officially christen the team.
1: Yes, it ends with freedom is an infinite options and total control. Freedom is what happens after you've made the decision, when there's nothing left to do but act. That's when you're really free. Welcome. To the young heroes, and Thunderhead goes. Long may they kick ass. <laughs> uh,
0: the speech seems to have moved all the members except maybe Frostbite, who gives a dismissive. Really, I like this guy. Yeah, I do. Cool.
1: Now off to the side, off ramp, prods Thunderhead into, chat- chat- into, there, into chatting Chatta and the bay into Chattin' up bonfire.
0: He says, "Just ask her." No. Just ask her. And now Bonfire's talking to Hard Drive, they're being watched by both Thunderhead and Frostbite.
1: Yes, it's pretty good uh, uh, choreography or whatever. It's good good panel placement. Uh, Hard Drive goes to Bonfire. Was there something you wanted to tell me? No, I I don't think so. And so Thunderhead approaches and goes, Excuse me, Bonfire. I was wondering if you'd like to uh,
0: go on patrol or... I would love to and Hard Drive likes what he sees. Folks, I can feel it. I can feel it in
1: my bones, in my soul. This is the start of something big.
0: We wrap up and see that Monster Girl and Hard Drive are in bed together.
1: Hmm, Hard Drive goes, "Well, we did it.
0: <laughs> we really did it." <laughs> Monster Girl runs her fingers across Hard Drive's uh midsection and she says, "You can say that again." And, and that's where we left them. Is the cataclysmic <laughs> ending to the first issue of Young Heroes in Love. And, you know, it's, what, it's funny what you said about the good uh, composition of the panel. Uh, that's a lot of this. This is really, I said this to you in the beginning, this feels like it could be a really... Like a sitcom. A cool sitcom. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, I don't know if it would work today, but in the 90s, you know, this might have worked. For sure. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, if a show isn't, you know, doesn't cost a million dollars an episode. <laughs> Nobody I watches an, it. I have an hour long, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> This this could have been interesting like that, and and I definitely I almost feel like it's like a, it's a storyboard, you know, they plotted it out. Yeah, uh, cool comic. This was obviously a Chris pick that wasn't <laughs> clear to everybody, but I, I enjoyed it. I ended up reading a a few a handful of them, and uh, we had a good time with it. But we're gonna take yeah. a little break here, Chris, and uh, when we come back, we will talk more about some creator owned ish characters.
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> It's J.L. May, we're covering the
0: Silver Age. This J.L. May, a comic event from Mark Wade.
1: We're crossovering a podcast.
0: There's 12 of us involved. Get it in your ear hole. This made. We'll tell you all All about the Silver Age It's not great
1: But it's okay We really have to warn you It has a controversial one
0: Where Mark Miller wrote
1: Stop, goat, stop,
0: tic
1: Challenges of the unknown.
0: Green Lantern Flash Patrol of Doom. The Seven Soldiers of Victory. I'll live there too. The annual Jail May event is upon us once more. 2018, we're reading The Silver Age from 2001. The journey begins in the podcast Justice's First Dawn and continues in the shows Relatively Geeky, Coffee and Comics, Supermates, Waiting for Doom, Idlehead of Diablo, The Longbox Crusade, The Lantern Cast, Batgirl to Oracle, Comic Reflections, Cosmic Treadmill, The Fire and Water Podcast.
1: We've got a hook this week as we are want to do. Uh, what we didn't mention before is that, uh, these characters, these young heroes, if you look at the indicia of the, uh, of the very comic book, they belong to Dan Raspler and Dev Madden. Mm-hmm. They own these characters and, uh, we don't want to go too far into the next few issues or even at all, really, because, uh, cause there is some, uh, there are some reveals that we don't want to give away. Um, But the second or third issue, I mean, they meet Superman. So they are in the DC universe. Um, You know, you have a, they do take part in the Genesis uh, story event thing where, uh, what's his face, Thunderhead gets himself some new powers. It's it's very much ingrained in the DC universe. However, these characters are owned not by DC, but by the creators and so we figured that our hook today would be discussing other creator-owned or licensed properties that actually take part in mainstream comic book universes.
0: That's right, it's more than you'd think of these. Uh, yes. Which, which probably, as we said before, makes the stack of contracts very complex when they want to use them. <laughs> Indeed. That's not for us. We don't worry about that. We just talk about the comics.
1: Certainly. Now, we're going to go through a handful of them, but we're not going to count any one-off or miniseries crossovers, yeah. naturally, because otherwise we'd be here... All damn day, yeah, and then uh, sure. we don't. We don't need to do that. Uh, <laughs> the first one we're going to talk about is Sovereign Seven from DC Comics, created and owned by Chris Claremont. Their first appearance was Sovereign Seven Number One, it was April nineteen ninety five cover date. Their title would run thirty six issues from April ninety five through July of nineteen ninety eight cover dates. This is officially, which you know, <laughs> in quotes, the first creator owned title to be set in the DC Universe. In it, the Seven were a team of aliens from disparate planets who had been exiled to Earth. They would operate out of a place called the Crossroads Coffee Bar. Which would actually lead in the first issue To a pretty funny scene of Darkseid coming to visit <laughs> In a Ben Grimm-like trench coat And drinking a cup of coffee
0: uh, now, I, l- I love seeing Darkseid just do average things Just lounging, really hilarious, yeah.
1: mundane things, yeah Now due to when this book came out Just like Young Heroes, Sovereign 7 did take part In the Genesis crossover event In the final issue, however It's revealed that the team's exploits Were simply a story written by the owners Of the Crossroads coffee shop
0: Whoa Uh, I know uh, Then there was Fallen Angel for DC This was created by Peter David First appearance was technically Fallen Angel Number 1, September uh, 2003 Cover date Ran 20 issues at DC Comics uh, September 2003, July 2005 Cover dates And then would run an additional 33 issues At IDW Publishing This came 4 months after the final issue Of Peter David's Supergirl run which featured a literal Fallen Angel in the the role of the Maid of Steel. Fallen Angel featured a mysterious woman named Lee. His Supergirl starred a Linda Lee Danvers. And the similarities didn't stop there. (laughs) Nor did Peter David try and stop the speculation about it. In fact, he said issues 14 and 15 would be very intriguing to fans of his Supergirl run. Uh, Couldn't figure out why. Yeah, we we went back and
1: looked at them And there really isn't much but, no, uh, but <laughs> We'll fine. take his word
0: for it uh, This book never found the audience Supergirl had And so it was cancelled David retained all rights to the character and shopped her over at IDW Folks still thought this might be Linda Lee Until DC had her show up in Hell During the 2008 Reign in Hell miniseries When asked by comic book resources About the connection, Peter David said Can I say this is Linda Danvers? Of course I can't However, it's pretty freaking obvious that it is and you know, I never I've never read Fallen Angel, but I did read his Supergirl series, and that was pretty tight, so
1: that was real good stuff, yeah. yeah. Another one we're gonna talk about, Peter Cannon, dot 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 Thunderbolt <laughs> from DC Comics, created by Pete Morisi. His first appearance was Thunderbolt number one back in nineteen sixty-six. His first DC Comics appearance was Crisis on Infinite Earth's number six. Now when DC Comics procured the rights to the Charlton action heroes, didn't exactly get Peter Cannon. Cannon had only been licensed to Charlton by Maurice, so, in effect, all DC Comics bought was Charlton's license to the character. And when those rights expired, they reverted back to the Maurice Estate, uh, who would even license them out further. They went to other publishers like Dynamite Entertainment in recent years. Now, in his time in the DCU, he had his own limited series and even palled around with the Justice League Task Force. Uh, for more on the Charlton uh, acquisition, you can check out Weird Comics History, episodes 6 and 7 in the archives.
0: That's our Charlton episodes, I assume, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I'm kind of curious to know, uh, and let me tell you, I would not have put it DC not to know the particulars of the deal they had acquired. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like it snuck up on them, and they were like, oh, we can't use that guy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Or, 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 <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Okay. And and again, these are the people who sued DC Shoes uh, for using their logo and lost. Oh, yes. That's another story. <laughs> uh, now we got milestone characters. This one gets... Pretty dicey and will very likely require its own episode of Weird Comics History to get to the bottom of it.
1: And even then, I doubt we'll still know everything.
0: No, because (laughs) (laughs) they're not very forthcoming about the particulars of this deal, but we kind of know a little bit about it. Uh, It all starts with Milestone Media. This was an entertainment company founded in 1993 by Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cohen, Michael Davis, and Derek T. Dingle created Milestone Comics which produced and dis- uh, that was produced and distributed by DC Comics. This is a bunch of books set in the Dakotaverse, named for the fictional fictional Midwestern city of Dakota, all featuring all nine white superheroes and characters. Though it was produced by DC, they did not exert editorial control except for the right of refusal.
1: Mm -hmm. Now the first wave of Milestone titles were Hardware, Icon, Blood Syndicate, and Static. The second wave included Shadow Cabinet, Zombie with an X, Cobalt and Heroes uh, or The World Needs Heroes or something like that. Um, now, the imprint was well-received and critically lauded, but it fell victim to the industry's near collapse, so we mentioned before the comic, uh, which came almost precisely upon Milestone Comics' launch. Uh, though, to be fair, hardware did have 50 issues. Static had 45 issues and Icon had 42 issues. No small feat for a comic book of any era. Absolutely. Uh, and in fact, no title had fewer than six Issues, which tells me, you know, Marvel would not get involved with this company. Um, (laughs) Now, in 2000, the the character Static was licensed to Warner Brothers to create the cartoon Static Shock. And that cartoon ran for four years on Kids WB, had a theme song composed by Lil Romeo and his father, Master P. Hootie who Now uh, Static would also be featured Though much older as a member of the Future Justice League in the Batman Beyond Cartoon. Also in the comics Static would join the Teen Titans Pre-Flashpoint.
0: Yeah so he bopped around He also appeared in the Young Justice Cartoon and on the Brave and the Bold Cartoon but as we always say about the latter Who didn't? That was like every (laughs) DC character Showed up in that cartoon Uh, For the new 52 in 2011 The Dakotaverse was folded into the DC Universe and spawned a few comics that were quickly cancelled. The initial attempt at folding the Dakotaverse into the mainline DCU occurred in the 2009 Justice League of America storyline, Welcome to Sundown Town. This was announced by Dan DiDio in 2008 and led to a two-part miniseries called Milestone Forever, which took a look at the Dakota characters as part of the DCU. Zombie received a short-lived horror-type series just prior to the New 52, With some great Frazier Irving art In
1: 2015 Reginald Hudlin discussed the possibility of Reviving Milestone Media A few months later in 2016 DC Comics announced the creation of Earth M Which implied that they might Own the Milestone Comics
0: characters Out right now We think
1: Maybe who knows?
0: Know.
1: <laughs> uh, now, Milestone Media currently lists among uh, among Dennis Cohen and uh, Dingle, they name Reginald Hudlin, who is known to uh, many as the guy behind Baby's Kids and Django Unchained, but known to me as the guy who squandered the entire Christopher Priest Black Panther run oh. among their members. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> As of October 2017, DC announced the return of Milestone in 2018, and it's five launch titles.
0: And we're still waiting. We are in May, almost, of 2018. We're
1: about halfway through, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> I've not seen it yet, but uh, apparent. I mean, it's, like, this is really a weird one, Chris, because uh, it's just not totally clear what their relationship is, but they are never able to extricate themselves from DC.
1: Yeah, uh, they, they can't be independent, but they also... Don't want to be part.
0: Well, it's so not, weird, and they're not, yeah. you know. And I think they're not part too. That's what makes it hard to launch uh, these titles, maybe. But yeah, maybe someday we'll find out more about it. Uh, over at Marvel, we have Angela. Uh, for the whole story on Angela, check out our three-part exploring the mysteries of Marvel Man Weird Comics History series in the archives. And Chris actually just wrapped those up as a threefer. Yeah, uh, box can, set. You yep. get them as a box set. So the quick and dirty version, though, because this is. Very complex Neil Gaiman created Angela who made her first appearance In Spawn number 9 Todd McFarlane and Neil Gaiman had different ideas On who owned what and so they went to court And Neil won He sold the rights to Marvel Comics where she has been Integrated and retconned into being The sister of Thor And again we go into far deeper Perhaps too much detail In (laughs) comics history Keeping with Neil Gaiman, he and DC Comics might have sort of an arrangement over the use of some of his created characters from the Sandman titles. Neil doesn't outright own these characters, however, it seems like DC has to get his okay before having them appear in the mainline DCU, so something there. Either it's a courtesy or... Maybe he has Horse, to get 50 yeah. bucks every time I don't know, you know? <laughs>
1: Who knows? Uh, now somewhat famously Captain, Captain Adam writer Carrie Bates Had Neil's version of death appear in that book This was Captain Adam number 42 Cover dated July 1990 Neil didn't feel as though Bates did death any favors Because he only used her as the compassionate Aspect of overall death uh, Neil says I, I just felt it confused things She wasn't an aspect of death She was death When one day Necron or the Black Racer stops existing, she'll be there to take them. If the script or lettered comic had been run by me back then, I would have noticed the continuity issues and corrected them. As it was, it wasn't a big deal. It was a fine comic as far as it went, but it tried to shoehorn death into DC continuity and got it wrong. Uh, Neil was mighty quick to fix this problem just a few (laughs) months later in Sandman number 20. This was cover dated October 1990. (laughs) Now, uh, Neil Sandman and Endless characters would pop up from time to time. Uh, most recently, uh, Death appeared in Action Comics number 894. And I say recently because it doesn't feel like that was eight years ago in December of 2010. Wow. Um, yes. <laughs> it feels like it was just yesterday. Uh, and also, Daniel appeared in the 2017-2018 Dark Knights Metal event.
0: That's right. He was very important for some reason that I was <laughs> never able to figure out. Same here. <laughs> uh, but he was there. Uh, and ROM, this is over at Marvel again Originally a toy created by Scott Denkman, Richard C. Levy, and Brian L. Bing McCoy Which was sold to Parker Brothers Originally named COBOL, an acronym for Common Business-Oriented Language That's a computer programming language But Parker Brothers executives have suggested the equally computery, but probably a little more snappy ROM mm-hmm. Parker Brothers licensed the character to Marvel Comics in order to drum up some interest in the toy First Marvel appearance was in ROM Space Night number 1. That was December 1979 cover date. Series would run 75 issues until February 1986. Far longer than anyone cared about the toy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, during the run of ROM Space Night, the character would interact with both the heroes and the villains of the Marvel Universe and was even at one time teased as possibly becoming a member of the Avengers. That was Avengers 221 and West Coast Avengers number 1.
1: Now in order to work around the rights issue Marvel revealed that the ROM's human form Was still around in a sort of uh, status state He'd uh, eventually retake his human form uh, But uh, didn't really show up all that much After his series went out Uh, He did appear at Rick Jones' wedding To Marlo Chandler In Incredible Hulk number 418 This was June 1994 And he did so as a human Um, In 2000, Marvel published a Space Knights miniseries by Jim Starlin that ran October 2000 through February 2001, where the human Rom takes the name Artur, after the legend of King Arthur. He and his wife now have two sons. Now, even though Marvel sort of kind of sidestepped the rights... They've been unable to reprint any of the old v- issues featuring the armored Space Knight version of Rom, including, unfortunately, the Secret Wars 2 tie-in issue, yeah. which kind of takes the wind out of the sails of the, omin- uh, the omnibus edition of the event. Um, now, these days, Parker Brothers' parent company, Hasbro, has licensed the rights to the character to, to IDW Publishing. And they're currently publishing Rom's ongoing adventures.
0: And I could swear they were doing reprints too. Did I imagine? am I wrong about that?
1: They might. I, I didn't. I, th- uh, I think you're right.
0: I think they might have done reprints, and that was really what people went crazy for. Because obviously, Marvel couldn't reprint these, but I, probably because of this weird arrangement between IDW and Marvel. Sure. And then IDW made it. You know, it sort of puts them in this nebulous. Oh, to be a lawyer.
1: It's kind of like Chris. what they do with uh, with Conan, like with yes. uh, I think Dark Horse reprinted a lot of the Marvel stuff and yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, you got you get to pick and choose which Conan you 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 depending what day in court <laughs> you're like. No, this is the original Arthur Conan. No, no, this is the, uh, co- the comic strip. No, this is the comic book one. Anyway, uh, but that's all we got. It's it's interesting. Not it's not so much ROM space type, but a lot of those ones from the '90s, doubtlessly. Uh, a lot of these creators got to keep their characters not Just because of awareness Of creator rights Which was not mm. a thing, you know, 20 years Before that, uh, you know, the fallout From Kirby and uh, the uh, Superman guys, but Because I think that they were trying to make Sweet in the pot for new talent You know what sure. I mean? They were like, you come They're on over They were incentivizing yeah. uh, Vertigo was, what's, what's interesting is this time Vertigo was booming uh, oh, sure. And I think people saw that model as possibly Being the future of comics uh, mm-hmm. Turned out, it wasn't going to be the future of comics, but no. it was. It was a good shot, but uh, it was the Tuesday of comics. Ex- <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> this is what we're trying today, and uh, hopefully we'll survive. I gotta say, Chris, when we talk about it now and and thinking back on it, it it's amazing. Comics survived and even thrived it? into the twenty first century. <laughs> you know, I think anyone looking at it, any analyst would be like, they're done. How they they can't come Just back. Just draw a this. line under it. <laughs> uh but nope, they are back, yeah. and it seems to be fiercer than ever. Um uh, mm. well, we do have a new piece of listener mail that we wanted to get to. This is from Aaron Head Moss from the Headcast Podcast Network at Headspeaks.com, a, at Headcastwork at Headcast Network on Twitter. He writes, Hey, gentlemen, just dropping a quick line to say a couple of things. Number one, really enjoying your look at Marvel Man, Miracle Man, which I guess we were still in the middle of it at that time. Uh, I knew part of the story, but it's interesting hearing everything else. Number two, regarding Cosmic Treadmill episode 86, I, too, love that original Quantum and Woody run. Priest did a fantastic job and a great coverage of it, guys.
1: Three, Weird Comics History, episode 26. I never sold Grit or even saw it. But when I was younger, I did sell Olympia, which is the Captain O, Mm -hmm. and one other, forget which one now, to earn cool prizes. It's been over 30 years ago, so I forget everything I got from there now, but I do remember getting a magic kit. I sold gift wrap and holiday cards and then something else another time. Also, when I was younger, I was a salesman for church or royal rangers which is the christian based boy scouts or like a christian based boy scouts or school i was always the top sales guy in fact that's how i got my first job as a paperboy at the age of 9 or so or of that uh, the age of 9 or so by going door to door getting people to sign up for our local newspaper that was just starting out the person in charge said i was too young to be a paperboy but i did such a good job they decided to they had to give me a job which is pretty funny.
0: Uh-oh, you broke some labor laws there, sounds like. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I, too, was, a, I, no, I was like 11 when I was a paperboy. Uh, <laughs> he says, anyways, this brought back fond memories, and you guys did a knockout job covering all those old ads. Uh, thanks for the great episodes, guys.
0: Yeah, well, thank you very much, Aaron, and uh, yeah, we, have, we, have, we have a great time with the uh, red ads, you know. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the Weird Comics History episodes. We just said we're having a blast over here, folks, so we're glad you're enjoying it. And uh, Absolutely. In line with that, we're going to talk about something I don't think we've ever talked about on this, uh, on this we've show. We've never talked about it. Uh, because <laughs> as as regular listeners of the show know, we are the worst at promoting ourselves or knowing what we have to do. Yes. But uh, one thing that we hear other podcasts like are <laughs> iTunes reviews. And we do yes. have some wonderful iTunes reviews, and we wanted to thank uh, the folks that left. Just, these are just... Uh, a handful of them, but, you know, thank you very much, guys. Uh, Start out with DC for Life from March 19th, 2017. Oh, that
1: was just a month ago.
0: Just a month and a year ago. Oh, uh, And by the <laughs> way, I think, I'm pretty sure DC for Life is a uh, certain fella that does a... That weird, we know, yeah. Very <laughs> weird, uh, scientific DC comics-based podcast. But uh, he writes, uh, the only treadmill I'll ever use, and says, I've been listening to Chris and Reggie for what feels like years, and I love them like brothers. Actually. I'll take that back because that's an insult Chris knows his stuff and Reggie knows Chris so what could go wrong Just sit back, pour Merlot and slip away Into a blissful dream of old obscure Comics. It's like fresh air For the mentally impaired and I love every Second of it. Excellent <laughs> <laughs>
1: We like to we like to class up The joint a little
0: Absolutely, bit. Absolutely, yeah
1: <laughs> Our next one Comes from J3KC Which I think is our friend Joe Crawford I
0: believe so, yes
1: This one's also from last month, March 29th, 2017. His title is Greatest Comic Podcast Ever? Maybe uh, he says, the cosmic treadmill starring Chris and Reggie dives deep into comic each episode. They give the history of both the series and the creators. Weird comics history dives into a topic and also gives an in-depth analysis on of the subject of the episode. a wondrous mix of humor and knowledge, highest recommendation.
0: Wow, now that is cool. that is. Coming from a guy that's probably that seems to be nearing on having read every comic ever printed. He's getting there. Uh, I really got it. Yeah, he's actually, this is one person who actually is closing the gap, folks. I'm telling you. <laughs> you only have to read 80 comics a day. You'll, you will eventually get there. Uh, that's terrific, though. Thank you so much. Uh, you. We also have one by DS and RS, which has got to be Ruth and Darren, right? Mm-hmm. Uh April eleventh, two thousand seventeen also. We must have mentioned it around then or something. I don't know what it Maybe, was.
1: yeah. Um Oh, that's when we got that's when we started the feed.
0: There you go. That's what did it. Probably we started the feed right there, yeah. Uh they write, hop on this cosmic treadmill. Host Chris and Reggie deliver fun and informative show with their infor- with their cosmic treadmill podcast. Each episode features an in-depth review and discussion of a single issue as well as highlights of other related issues. If it is a multi-part story. The episodes also include background information on the writers and artists of the issue being discussed as well as historical context of what was going on in the comic industry at the time of publication. Their research is excellent and presented in a very entertaining way. The show is definitely worth your time. And that is very, very sweet from... Absolutely. I would like to think one of them wrote it, but I'll credit both of them, Ruth and Darren, uh... Great, I'd like to think they both they both they both worked on it. it yeah, uh or maybe yeah. maybe one wrote it, the other had to vet it or something, they copy edited. Uh sure. of course they have their own uh batch of podcasts. I'm just gonna tell you to go to the RAD Adventures Network, which yes. is uh I believe it's uh dot com, I'm pretty sure, but uh yeah, they.
1: I know WarlordWorlds.com is the safest one because that's the one I can say. Okay. Because uh, the
0: there's dinosaurs also, one, I, I can never get like that out. Files and there's that's the one. <laughs> Trekker Talk. Uh, they, they have a bunch of, yeah, WarlordWorlds.com is a good place to go, and you find just a whole batch of. Um, I mean, they have really been. Doing the touring, too. They've been going to conventions. For and for the cons, oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Some, some well-produced, great stuff. Really and I think as
1: recommend. we as we record this, I, th- I, I think uh, they just took a picture outside of Sherlock Holmes's house at
0: yeah. 221B Baker Street. They're in London. They, they're, they're living yeah. the, their best life, folks. These are people you want to get to know and, uh, know and know what they're about. So thank you so much, guys.
1: Thank you, thank you. Uh, The last one we're going to do for today is from That Old Comic Smell, one of my very favorite things. Uh, July 16th, 2017, titled Great Show. says, let's be honest, most comics podcasts are pretty bad. Hmm. (laughs) Luckily, this couldn't be further from the truth for Cosmic Treadmill. Low on snark, high on knowledge, and love of the medium. Chris and Reggie bring an informative and fun podcast every Sunday. Plus, Reggie sounds like a comics-loving John Larroquette, well, which is very easy to listen to. I can't recommend this show enough. <laughs> uh,
0: thank you. I don't know who that is. That's the only one I could I don't figure. either. It's uh, yeah. a, a kind, kind comics uh, aficionado and Enthusiast, soul. yes. But uh, thank you very much, uh, folks. And like I said, that's just some of them. If you... Feel enticed to go rate us and review us On iTunes as I understand it that's a good thing Right Chris I think I think I
1: think so, <laughs> uh, I think if, you, so.
0: if you feel so inclined If not uh, we definitely still want to hear From you and of course sure. If you want to reach out to us You want to talk about young heroes in love You want to talk about late 90s comics You want to talk about creator own comics Or you want to just talk about iTunes reviews <laughs> You can write to us at Weirdcomicshistory at com. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Cosmic T Mill History.
1: Tumble us on Tumblr at tum, uh, Tumblr, Tumblr, Tumblr. Uh, <laughs> Cosmic Mill History. com.
0: On Twitter at Cosmic T Mill, and I'm on Twitter at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. See our weekly readings over at DC for Life site or Weird Science dccomics.com. com, And uh, you can read Chris's daily DC Comics reviews at his personal site. Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com, where he reviews a different DC comic every day of the week. And this week, you've been doing The Outsiders from the early 2000s.
1: Yes, right? I took a look at the uh, the America's Most Wanted tie-in, which features a <laughs> that very... <was> great. Uh, <laughs> which features a very uh, striking photo cover of John Walsh. But,
0: but actually, that wasn't... I really expected more of a stupid crossover or something. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It, it wasn't, wasn't really bad. a bad uh, comic. kind, of, kind of no. Kind of stark material, as you might imagine, but uh, I expected something much more schlocky, like you know him at the end, like flipping the chair around, like "listen, gang," uh, you know, uh, child abuse is no joke. But it wasn't like that at all. It was actually not not a horrible comic, but I, I find it interesting because it's basically sort of like Teen Titans meets the Young Justice it it, uh, it
1: is very uh, you know, every time i wrote outsiders in my in the in the pieces it's like i, I always type ti first cuz it's like mm-hmm. these are the titans
0: but i uh, feel like it. i mean it it i know it's got it's got you know it's got uh, other members of the team
1: starfire roys in there it's... yeah
0: it's like, like yeah the titans uh, It it's interesting so uh, that's that's what happens you go over there you learn something folks go over to <laughs> uh, com. it's the next best thing to read in the comics
1: so, uh, you can also check out the show site Weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com Where you'll find our show notes every Sunday uh, If we get around to a Weird Comics History you'll see the show notes for that On a yep. Tuesday and for the next Little while on Thursday you'll see some Box set compilations come out just uh, Making it a little bit easier to navigate the uh, Our scary archives Absolutely uh,
0: and, and, and if you are looking to Go to past episodes that's the Place to go to because our yeah. po- our bean Feed is incomprehensible so uh, <laughs> it it's, is. All, it's all Ordered over there at weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com.
1: Certainly, and you can also find uh, a good portion of our uh, back catalog on YouTube if you search YouTube for Weird Comics History, all one word.
0: Yeah, we're still gonna. Please subscribe, not for any accolades, just if we get enough subscribers, we can get our own URL. We can, and that'll be exciting if we ever get, if we get to that point. I think I'll consider us a uh, a success a podcast success.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's something we can show the wives.
0: But uh, yeah, we I had a good time with this uh, comic that we read here, and uh, yeah, what am I what am I tackling some more of those weird '90s late '90s comics in the mm-hmm. uh, future sometime? But I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him?
1: Nope, that'll do it.
0: Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill romantically. See ya.